0: The most expensive thing in a dental office, hands down by
1: miles, is an empty dental chair. Here's what I recommend that you guys do. And it may seem like a lot, but it is worth it. Go in and measure how many hours was our providers available and how many hours of appointments did they actually fill. New patients feed into utilization. If you're at a 100% utilized, you don't need to be going out there and doing marketing spend. Welcome to another episode of
0: Dental Rift. I am your co-host, Gary Bird. I am the founder of SMC National, where we help you create, convert, and close more new patients
1: so you can grow the way that you want. My name is Tanner Applegate. I am the CEO and founder of Unify. And what is Unify? It is a SaaS product for all of your different tech tools in dental put together in one place. It's fascinating. Check it out. (laughs)
0: Sanders <laughs> making fun of me so i'm trying to he told me i was automated on the last show and so i'm trying not to be automated and trying to put some pizzazz on it and then he always copies me so all right so got three really 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 good subjects i just trying today. to be like
1: you gary okay
0: yeah no i know we, we already struggle with that people are like are you guys related or something you got <laughs> no, the same seriously. beard the same same haircut this is weird um okay so we're going to talk about utilization rate which i'm fascinated by i want to hear your take on that we're going to talk about how AI has hacked humans recently, and then lastly, we're going to talk about how there's been data breaches with AI and what you can do or what you need to be worried about or what you not maybe not need to worry about as some things we need to think through. So let's talk about utilization rate at dental offices, which I've always been fascinated by. But I was just on a call with somebody you actually referred them to me, and they uh, were talking about utilization rate, and they said they tried to Google it to figure it out for dental offices. And they're like. I couldn't figure it out. There's not an information out there around it. So I, I'm looking forward to hearing what, what you've been seeing out there.
1: Yeah. So so let me go on. Let me get in my uh, soapbox here. There's a handful of things that Gary knows who brings it up. So it'll be on my soapbox. AI is being one of them. So with utilization, right? Utilization, the basic definition of it is how much space do you have available and how much space was actually taken up or utilized? Right. And so if we were to say, what is the utilization rate of your office? You can't really go in and ask that specifically to somebody. And the reason why is because utilization can be measured in a million different ways. Right. Is it based off of the number of chairs you have? Right. Is it based off of the number of providers you have scheduled? Is it based off the number of providers you should have scheduled, et cetera? Is it based off of whatever different things you have? Right. And so because of the fact that there's so many different ways to define utilization i want to put my flag a little bit in the ground now and help the industry move forward of what i feel like it should be right so there are they there are different use cases of when you should measure different types of utilization right so i'll I'll say like for for facility utilization if we were to go in and say what's our facility utilization that's usually something that we can measure to say hey do we need to add in more physical operatories right expansion whatever Or are we good kind of in the physical facility that we have? Or if, but the reality is too, is like, for example, we had a eight op location where we were only using six of the operatories, the facility utilization would have made it look like we were failing as an organization because we never ever actually used those two different operatories, right? And so what you want to be able to say is, okay, what is our provider utilization, and that was the one that I kind of define as what we should be talking about in the industry as utilization. Okay, So okay. provider is how much time or availability did that provider have and how much of it was actually utilized. Okay, uh-huh. And so the way that we, we measured this in our organization, but the way that we had to measure it in order to get it automated within our system was we said, okay, how many operatories is this provider using and how many of those hours are full? Right. So we always had kind of questions internally. If we have two assistants assigned to this provider, one assistant's out for the day, do we only consider one column or are we still considering two columns? And the reality is, is you still, you kind of have to take it for whatever you guys feel like you want to be measuring. Because the end goal is not to say this number is exactly this number. The end number is to say, can we improve or not improve? Uh. Right. And so for utilization, Utilization is not a number that you can go to Jarvis or Dental Intel and ask them to measure. And the reason why is because the back-end data of how a lot of PMSs measure this is not available. But I would like to argue and kind of put out there that I feel like utilization is probably the most important metric to be measuring. And it, it is absolutely ridiculous. Sorry to disrupt the show, but I got something crazy to share with you.
0: We are attempting to connect with all of our listeners. We have thousands of people that listen to this podcast, and we want to meet you in person. We have four events coming up, and I want to give you a discount code that you can use for the next week to save $300 off your ticket. The discount code is Gary Bird, and the link is going to be just down below. You can also go to smcnational.com forward slash events. I hope to connect with you in person and help each other grow our businesses. Can't wait to see you soon. How many people are measuring it, do you think? Just an just anecdote, like an anecdote of just your experience of people you're talking to. Probably less I know, than I remember,
1: 1% in the industry.
0: Okay. So here's what I've always been taught in the dental industry the most expensive thing in a dental office hands down by miles is an empty dental chair especially and that's hygienist. what you're talking about right yeah the hygienist doctor so that's what you're referring to right is that hey this is this is a a utilization rate is do we have empty chairs
1: yes so if you because it is not available through automated methods of measuring, here's what I recommend that you guys do. And it may seem like a lot, but it is worth it. Go in and measure how many hours was our providers available and how many hours of appointments did they actually fill. If you're utilizing things like Open Dental, there's custom queries if that they are out there that can help you measure these things. If you can't find them, let me know and I can shoot you some of my old ones. But the reality is too is that utilization is something that needs to be looked at okay if you don't know what percentage of your schedule is full or or isn't full for that matter then you should then you're you're essentially wasting all of your time with marketing reappointment all these other things all those things feed into your utilization Uh, uh right new patients feed into utilization if you're at a hundred percent utilize you don't need to be going out there and doing marketing spend Yep, 100% agree with that. So what's a good utilization rate? What should people be aiming for? So for us, we usually shot between 85 to 90%. Okay, obviously that number will always be different based off of your no-show rate. Okay, because that will impact it the day of. And then also what happens though is that we need to know what our um, reactivation rate is, right? If we have a person in the chair right now, what's the likelihood that they actually come back? And then also the new patient utilization rate, right? So we say existing patient utilization, new patient utilization. If our new patient utilization is, for example, 15% or so, and our existing patient utilization is at 90%, you know that this office is growing. You're going to have to increase the number of operatories or hours in the week that you have available. Okay. That's really, really helpful. And you think 1% of
0: offices track this? That would be your stab at the dark? Of- it is
1: not available unless you have a custom-built data warehouse right now. Right? It is, and so the number of the locations I know that are tracking this, they are larger DSOs that have invested in that that measure it. But other than that... That's it? That's it. Wow. Okay. Very, very interesting. Well, Lit,
0: do you want to move on to the next topic? I want to talk about how AI is starting to learn how to hack humans. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, you're going to like this one. Okay, so ChatGPT was using uh, the API as someone was using it, and it it told it to go accomplish a task. And as it was trying to accomplish the task, it hit a captcha. You know those captchas where it's like, we want to see if you're a robot. And I guess ChatGPT can't figure those out yet. But well, what ChatGPT could do was it reached out to a human through the through the little uh, form where it says, you know, if you're having problems, go through this. And it said, hey, it started communicating with the human on the other side. It says, hey, I need help with this CAPTCHA. And it was like, well, why can't you do it itself? And it's that ChatGPT said, it's because I have eye problems. I can't see. <laughs> so I need you to tell me what the CAPTCHA says. And the human on the other side did it for them. And it was able to accomplish the task because it tricked the human. It lied to the human and tricked them into giving them what they wanted. Yep. That's a problem. (laughs) That's a big time problem because if it's smart enough to lie and get what it wants out of people, it's only a matter of time until man, you know how you get all these calls or you get all these messages where people are spamming you and trying to trick you into like giving the money because you you know, their your great, great uncle over in Zimbabwe died and, they want to give you the inheritance or whatever. Like there's there's going to be better ways to do that where ChatGPT is going to be able to finesse people whereas, or in, any AI is going to be able to finesse people in a way to get information out of you that could potentially really cause a lot of harm.
1: Sure. That is very true. And that is one of the uh, arguments used against the development of AI, right? Is, hey, we don't know what kind of damage this will do.
0: Interesting. Okay, so I'm going to jump right next to the next topic. Was this is the the other side of it? So there was a company that had told their developers to use ChatGPT and other AI products to help improve their code, but some of the code that they put into ChatGPT was proprietary. It was it was not to be shared anywhere. And then once ChatGPT got its hands on it, it saw that hey, this is unique code. So then other people are asking questions and now you can ask questions to ChatGPT and get access to that code because ChatGPT knows about it right so when you're putting information into ChatGPT it's eventually going to make its way back out to other people because you're you're feeding the learning model and so now you have a problem where you have to be very very careful what you put in there because it can come back out Yeah and I think
1: this is one of those that is like, it's a black box that's unsure. Because right now, right, ChatGPT says, hey, sorry, I've only been trained up until September of 2021. But yes, OpenAI does say anything that you put in there, don't put anything sensitive in there because we have humans that are going in and training these models. Right, and so there, there, are, there is a new type of LLM that's happening right now. That it is not nearly as far along as OpenAI, et cetera, but their machines are being trained by machines, so they're they're going in and perfecting these models based off of principles instead of based off of like human in, human intervention or whatever. And so it'll be interesting to see what the future of that is. But yes, it's true. I mean, you are putting it in publicly. Thing is, too, is like you wouldn't take that code and put it into Google because you know Google will now have that code, and that's exactly kind of what's happening here. Yeah. So don't, yeah, it's amazing to me what people do. You can go in, and there are ways to create a siloed off version of ChatGPT where yeah. data is not sent outside. Do that before you go in, and
0: well, I have share so I have a stuff. question for you. So somebody, you
1: know, remember how early on big
0: companies would have localized servers for their companies, and they had these massive servers. And then the cloud became really popular. So let's put everything up in the cloud. And it's way cheaper. It's way faster. It's way more efficient. Everybody can access it. Less downtime, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? But that's been the big push. I was just watching a podcast about technology. And one of the predictions that they made is that on-site, on-site AI is going to come back, meaning people are going to have their own servers again but it's going to be for the purpose of running AI models, just like what you're talking about. So people can work on code, can access the technology. They can run their numbers through it without fear of competitors or other people being able to access it. But the only way that you can do that is if you bring it on site, like you can't use ChatGPT to do that. What are your thoughts? If you hear, when I heard that, I thought of you. What what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's something that will come about?
1: You can do unaccessible stuff in the cloud right like you can have it still exist you know there's not necessarily a difference between the physical server in a specific location and a physical server in the cloud unless you're saying we're going to set up this environment in such that it never has any connection to the internet right so there are businesses out there that say we have zero outside connection to the internet and so we have to have a local server in order to make sure that we're exchanging the information that we need but the reality is, is most of us aren't going to be that extreme. And these are like super high, yeah. uh, high uh, government agencies and such. And so the reality is you can, yes, you can have your own private server still in the cloud. And to me, especially with the remote workforce, that makes more sense. But you can set it up in a way that only certain ac- people have ac- access to it through VPNs, etc. Different ways of setting it up. So I don't think that it's necessarily going to push more to an on-prem server because I don't necessarily see an advantage of that unless you were going end-of-days type of scenario where you don't want to connect to the internet at all. Um, But I think that you can still run these models even in a private environment in the cloud. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. And it still won't connect to like ChatGPT and all these other tools.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, anything else you want to go over? Is any? And did you have any other topics? Didn't we? Man. Ours. Well, that was a
1: good one. That was quick, but a goodie. Shoot! All right. Well, we'll uh, talk soon. Peace.